Now, it was night. Jacqueline hadn't eaten since the flattened chocolate bar she'd found on the step outside the pharmacy. God's will, her mother said. The fortune of finding food when it was most needed. Just when she didn't think she could stay upright any longer, here was food. God's will, her mother had said, for the fortune of the airplane. She'd said it for the man with the truck, and the fruit pickers in Murcia, and the woman who had the brother who drove another truck, and the Senegalese girl in Alicante who helped her up when she rolled off the park bench in her sleep, who took her home to her family who fed her rice and chickpeas and gave her water. The grace of God, her mother had said, for the woman who found her unconscious in the sand on a beach outside of Valencia, who walked her to the sea and wiped Jacqueline's face with a dish rag that smelled of glass cleaner, who bought her coffee with milk and sugar and two sweet Magdalenas. God for the Moroccan men who were arrested while Jacqueline walked undisturbed onto the ferry in Valencia. For the cove in Palma, where she found cardboard boxes and a dirty blue blanket folded on a flat stone. On and on her fortune went. And for the man who'd beaten her on the beach in Malaga. For the diarrhea. For the absence of food. For the bearded man and his immaculate teeth. We pay for our sins, for the sins of others, her mother said. Anyway, we can't understand. She knew she could not stay in that town. Not with all the people streaming off the ferries. She sat upright on a bench. She watched them eat French fries stuffed into the top of their euros. They stood in line at a small shop advertising the best in the world. She watched the man slicing meat from a giant turning pile, could see him painting the bread with oil and tossing it onto the grill, could see him squirt white sauce from a bottle onto the hot bread. There were tomatoes and onions. She watched him roll and wrap them with wax paper and hand them across the counter along with cold cans of Coca-Cola. The smell of the meat and its fat, the smell of thyme and the grilling bread all blew toward her. She watched the tourists waiting in line. She watched bits of the meat falling to the ground, the sandwiches thrown away, half-eaten. What it took for her not to stand up and cross the square and dig for food. But she was not beyond pride, so instead she ate the chocolate bar and tried to appear happy and bored. This was, she decided, the appropriate attitude. You must not be desperate. She watched policemen walk past and tried to appear cheerful as she ate her candy bar. She ate as if she might throw it away at any moment, as if eating were an entertainment, as if it were something to do. She thought, perhaps when it's dark I'll go to the trash, but she saw that the square would never go dark. A band was setting up. The tourists kept coming. The lights came on. There were more and more police. She stood and stretched her legs. She felt as if she might lose consciousness and sat back down. She waited until the blood returned to her head, until the feeling of nausea had eased. She stood up again and left the square, turning onto one of the small streets, thinking 
she might find a trash bin in a darkened corner. But every street was burning with white light. The stores sold gold and T-shirts and alcohol and food. Everywhere was food. And the tourists pushed against one another and plodded along, as bored as the shopkeepers who eyed Jacqueline as she passed. Everything was shining with light. The narrow stone streets and the white walls and the food, the drums of ice cream under glass and the turning meat, and the faultless rows of tall plastic water bottles, cold in the refrigerators, all of it white under the light. There was a large foam cup of ice cream on a ledge outside the window of a jewelry store. For a moment she thought it was part of the display, a prop for the gold chains. Then she saw there was a spoon stuck into it, as if it were hers, as if she'd ordered it. She moved to the side so that the cup was in front of her, so that she put herself between the street and it. She pretended to consider the gold. She shifted Saifa's red school pack from her shoulder to her hand, hoping it might look something like the purses she'd seen the women carrying up and down these narrow alleys. It would take one movement, an open palm, a turn of the hips, a sweep of the hand, and then she'd be moving along like the rest of them, eating as she walked. She could feel it. Cup, spoon, the ice cream cold in her mouth, bits of chocolate. A man appeared in the doorway. He took a pack of cigarettes from his breast pocket and shook one out. He wore a clean blue shirt, collar sharp as knife points. He lit the cigarette and looked at her. She looked back and smiled. 